0: Welcome to this week's episode of the People Podcast.
1: Hey, People Podcast listeners. This week's episode is brought to you by Humanly. Humanly automates job candidate screening and scheduling for high volume positions, such as customer success, sales, operations, and entry-level roles, making hiring more efficient and more equitable. Humanly offers a solution that engages and screens job candidates that come to company job pages saving hiring teams over 60 hours per open role on average and allowing them to jump in at the right time. Candidate experience and removing bias is another big part of their offering, and we've had some great initial success here in a landscape where 72% of candidates having negative experiences will share them online. For more information, go to humanly.io. William, thanks so much for joining me on the People Podcast. Appreciate you having me, Jesse. Thanks. Yeah, of course. And just to get started, could you give a brief overview of your background to the audience?
0: Sure. So I have been in talent acquisition or what they used to call recruiting as a category for, oh my goodness, it seems like about 20 years. I started off originally working in not-for-profit recruiting people for summer internships and then moved into an agency environment where I was doing retained search. And uh, then jumped into kind of the tech sector, which was pretty uh, much, uh, you know, ever present in the Silicon Valley. And have been doing that ever since uh, since those days. It's been great. Enjoyed it. Never a dull moment.
1: Yeah, that's great. And you've been pretty immersed in tech, the tech scene, working at a lot of different notable companies. Mm-hmm. How long has there been a discussion of like work, like working remotely overall? Like when did that first kind of come up as a, a topic or a theme? Roughly, I know.
0: Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I think that seemed to come up really around, I think the nature of working remotely came up right around 2000 when uh, the competition for talent was super hard to get, and companies were looking for almost, I won't say any gimmick, but almost any way to be able to get the talent they needed to be successful. And you saw this a little bit with, you know, how rich of a mixture was the the sales quota that somebody had to hit and how much did they earn from a bonus standpoint to it really becoming more of an employee environment where people started to make different demands. And because the tech talent was trying to grow at at a much faster pace, the environment in which things changed, you know, quickly went from. You know, we'll give you a pool table (laughs) to uh, paying for your car to, you know, on-site dry cleaning. It really quickly kind of ramped up from there where everybody was looking for something to either be distinctive from, from their competitor or really trying to make people happy with not only the work they were doing and who they were working with, but also trying to provide a little bit of balance. In their life, and so somebody was able to do some work from home, and whether that was work shifting as to when you started, or actually operating remotely, you know that was something that kind of started uh, from what I remember uh, right around that time.
1: That's great. Yeah, obviously. What What do you think's changed in um, regards to, you know, obviously trying to implement it 20 years ago as opposed to now? Um, other than like what's going on globally, obviously there's COVID nineteen going on right now and quarantine and Every tech company is basically transitioned to a work for work remotely company, but like first, but um, in regards to, yeah, what what's kind of accelerated that even prior to COVID nineteen. So certainly,
0: I, I think the competition for the talent has continued. It's become you know much more you know pervasive. For example, I'm, I tell a little bit of history in the sense I remember when some of the companies would move some of their departments out of the bay area because it was cheaper to have accounting in arizona for example than having to pay you know for accounts here in california that's become many times over the case for talent in other categories. And I just give that as, as an example. Um, I certainly think that's one thing. Um, so the other thing is finding the talent has taken over. So not only just finding enough, but finding in the right places so that people can get together and do work. And then you have the technology that has certainly aided and embedded it. I mean, for those of us who remember, I mean, it used to be the cell phone it used to be literally a brick Uh, You know, you had to pay a couple dollars per minute for use. Now it is, you know, kind of a half layer skin away from being an implant. It is just that much part of our our life, so it's not a big deal. You can do so much with that phone, not just texting, but Slacking and everything else. So where you are becomes secondary to simply being able to respond. Then you have organizations that continue to innovate at a faster and faster pace. So where do you offset that with? you know, personal enrichment and recharging time, if you will. Uh, and so allowing people to be able to do that, say maybe in the comfort of their home is something that is become more and more pronounced. So, you know, even before COVID, obviously a lot of people, a lot of companies did that. The noticeable companies like Mozilla is amazingly remote, uh, in the sense that they have very few formal offices and people having to come in. And there's been backlashes against it. There's some companies that, um, you know, from a culture or maturity standpoint, don't know how to manage or operate uh, with a you know, overall workforce or some people remote. And that's something that certainly, I think today, uh, you know, with the whole COVID issue has made that kind of a very poignant discussion about you know we, we need to get with this program we have to in order to function as a company act, start to exercise this muscle at a much greater rate and, and degree than we've had to before
1: yeah i think you brought up a, a few excellent points one obviously there's a much broader like talent funnel when you look outside of just one geographic area or move into like distributed distributed teams like you were mentioning moving companies moving to arizona are setting up accounting offices there or customer service offices in Portland and Denver and Salt Lake City have been popping up quite often. So yeah, great points there and obviously costs are involved with that. But then also obviously I think technology's aided aided this like technical revolution in regards to communication and engagement and everything else with Slack and, and different technologies in that sector. At like a high level, walk me through the hiring process, like how the hiring process has changed now that Every tech company is essentially a remote first company.
0: Well, I, I think there's certainly some fundamentals about, you know, how you engage people that, that hasn't changed at all. I think if anything, you know, people still want to know the why, what where's and how's the selection uh, is going to be done or how even work gets done at your company that you're you know, trying to bring somebody, entice somebody to join the company. So whether, and this applies whether you're talking with your own team, Your own recruiting team, or you're talking to a candidate, you really need to over communicate and making sure. I mean, if you didn't have a website with information about your company that was discoverable, and if it wasn't mobile friendly. You know, you're already a couple strokes behind (laughs) the rest of the field, for example, in one respect. If you're not going to be able to go based upon when people are are available because they're so busy during the day, even at home, you're going to be missing out on people. I will say something that has surprised us, uh, my recruiting team, is how receptive people have been to talking about what they are looking for in their next job, even during COVID-19. So it isn't so much that they're worried about their job in particular circumstances at the moment, but they're thinking about their career and their future aspirations. And they're more comfortable having that conversation in their home than if I had dialed their work number and caught them in the middle of a company meeting or a team meeting on in the company offices so it is interesting on how people will you know are being in my opinion at least in the tech field just as responsive as to outreach cold calling and stuff like that as you've had before so people amazingly uh and speaking again within the tech sector have been that are working from home are very happy to respond to You know, messages and and being contacted, uh, they're actually almost more comfortable than if you were to reach them on the side of their company's uh, offices, kind of get a little nervous about who's around them, who's going to hear them. But this is something, you know, not the case at the home or their, you know, whatever their residence is. So that's nice for reaching, but certainly you need to be, we found, over communicative with, with people. And so finding out how they want to be communicated with, maybe that's, you know, hey, if we're going to talk. Just you know, make sure you text me before you before you call. Or I'd prefer to do a Zoom uh, in defense or, or any of the other blue jeans uh, of the other video networks. Much rather do it in face to face over video than just audio. So thinking about when to do that, how to do that, and then set those expectations up really kind of separates a lot of recruiting teams from each other as far as. Who's thinking ahead? Who can communicate ahead to the candidate what to expect, so they can really focus without you know, minimal surprises about the conversations they're having, whether it's with you, the recruiter, maybe it's with the hiring manager's next step, maybe it is the what used to be the on-site, but now it's a series of uh, the video conference calls.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot going on in terms of pipelining uh, for a lot of recruiting teams, but I think even more so, like you're alluding to, a lot of candidates uh, or people across. All sorts of different organizations are open to hearing about job opportunities right now. And I really think that they're at least exploring those opportunities more so than they were a couple months ago. So it's, there's no better time in terms of, yeah, kind of nurturing the pipeline and seeing what's going on. That's really interesting takeaway. Well, I was just going to add,
0: Jesse, sorry to interrupt you there. You know, it's a good point that they're not minimized, you know, a pandemic, uh, but people are still thinking about the other side of this global event about the fact that they still have careers and aspirations and what have you. And that, that's not to take away from the current situation and seriousness, but they're still thinking long term. And so for people to reach out to them, at least again, this is within the tech sector and uh, related roles. Um, we've not seen any abatement in uh, people wanting to talk about future opportunities. It may not be the one they want or it may not be good timing, but I think uh, people are still wanting to, to chat about, which means, as, as kind of a follow on to this, that you really got to know the company, the industry, and the the significance of the role that you're offering. And this was true before. And, you know, people have, have done it through video or advertising and job scripts and stuff like that. But if you're not really able to engage the individual, uh, where they're at as far as the questions and concerns and the context, and do it in the language, um, of their profession, whether it's legal, engineering, it's really hard to kind of separate yourself just saying, hey, I'm looking for a warm body to fill this this open position we've got on the team. And I don't care to know anything else about the business of my company or, or the issues related to the role. When people do stop and explain that or demonstrate to people, it is amazing how often you'll have the candidate Confuse the recruiter with the hiring manager, and that is all a great sign. That's all positive. They get really jazzed about that uh, and want to talk further. Not only about what they care about as it relates to their profession, but they're super interested in an environment that cares about what they do as a as a professional.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. I think it's interesting. You brought up communications, and basically, in terms of like the preferred communication of candidates, I think that's a great question I think a lot of recruiters that I know I haven't historically done myself when I was working as a practitioner asking what the preferred communication channel is whether it's text message or email or you know zoom Google Hangouts, whatever makes them most comfortable and I think that's a really good question to lead with once you're ending a call so you know how to follow up so it's a great point
0: yeah sometimes we'll ask that up front but particularly in the recruiter screen actually we're getting ready to put in a whole new um, have a contracting system right now and when we were going through the vetting of that, we were looking for multiple options of how we could interact and communicate with the candidate so that we could give them the choice. You, know, you want to be text? Great. I can do that from within this ATS. Hit send and you get an alert about your your conference call that you're going to have tomorrow morning.
1: Definitely. Yep. I think that's, that's huge.
0: <laughs> I mean, it just makes it much more con- I'll say concierge but it shows thoughtfulness around that, and so if you stop to do that, and you're able to take those kind of, you want to call it micro cues or notes, and keep that in your note system, you just look like you're much more intentional in carrying around the, the the individual. So,
1: um, so yeah. Yeah, and I think what you're also alluding to earlier and and saying is that having a real true like human component to the recruiting screen, as opposed to just kind of being transactional. And I think that's kind of the way that technology is driving change in the recruiting industry and candidate experience is you're seeing automation of the follow-up communication and like engagement for scheduling, sourcing, scheduling, and like general communication, but then having a really high touch points for every personal conversation on-site, in-person meetings, you know, when those are happening, obviously, obviously not happening right now, but would you agree or disagree or what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I would
0: agree. And for, for example, I, we use a mishmash of solutions, but right now, um, before we got into using this, uh, we're standing up this new ATS that I just mentioned earlier, you know, I would send the first note to somebody that expressed interest that I reached out to from a cold call email and I would give them my live calendar link. In which they could book it. The moment you can save a couple of cycles of back and forth and say, here, pick something that works for you. Uh, I've already kind of given you what my availability. Let me know what yours. Yep. You've, you've saved a half an hour or a, or a whole day of back and forth about no, I can't do it. That speaks volume to them. Totally. So much loss, productivity. Productivity. It is, but it's looking at human in the sense that they get to exercise choice and, and options as opposed to, I had, I, I won't mention the, the product, but I was somewhere else try, uh, on site. I was trying to get an answer and I typed in different ways of the question and the chatbot, which I have nothing against chat bots, uh, except for this situation, it didn't understand what I was asking and I couldn't ask the question in any other limited way. So that's where you start having technology become a roadblock as, as when it should be an enabler for something like that. So the moment the candidates start having a roadblock, particularly when you're already in a candidate environment in the sense of you're, you're trying to find people. There's not enough uh, of the talent that you're looking for. They're going to go elsewhere. The moment you make them work too hard to interact with you, that's not the good direction. In a similar way, we found when we would go to the on site stage of our selection process for any of the positions. And of course, now we do this via video. So what we've done, this when we have our on-site interviews, which is now with the reality of doing everything by video instead, we make sure that we sit down with the candidate by phone, 30-minute session that's at least a day or so before these video interviews. And we walk them through, here's who you're going to meet here's what they do, here's their focus area for the interview, and here's what to expect, here's what our our work environment's like, so be casual uh, if that fits you. And the whole idea is eliminate the mystery and the wondering, am I going to get a curveball or a gotcha question during that time? And the intention is for us to get them to relax, but also to have the best exchange possible with interview team members. We also cover what to expect after that video series of interviews. Uh, that we have a debrief meeting. They're going to get a candidate experience survey, and here's when they're going to hear from me after that uh, candidate debrief meeting. It's going to be a live call, not a dear John email or something you know personal like that. And it's amazing how much they really appreciate that from the candidate experience. It's just you know taking extra steps to communicate with you, particularly since at that point, everybody's investing serious time into these sort of exchanges.
1: That's great. It sounds like you've basically taken like best practices from exec search, because a lot of exec search firms do very similar things, and implemented them across your guys' this entire org to improve candidate experience, which sounds phenomenal. Obviously, doing a yeah, prep on-site call, as well as a follow-up survey and a follow-up call after the interview. So that's that's great. What do you think are like the top takeaways right now of like things that companies can do to improve candidate experience? I guess you'd label those three. If there's anything outside of that you'd want to extrapolate on that candidates can basically do in the next couple of months as they move all on sites virtually essentially and continue to do that?
0: I think the onboarding is gonna be a growth area for a lot of companies. They either have relied on people to come in and get their equipment and IT was right around the corner, something went bad. And how you do that with somebody that is now going to be in Canton, Ohio versus uh, New Delhi, India, is going to really kind of expose some areas of of growth for people. And I don't mean just not only that technology doesn't work when it comes out of the box, but how do you orient something in somebody's role in a new work environment? Sense of how Company A does it versus Company B. Is the sixty-four million-dollar question that people have been asking when they start a new job? Hey, I was successful at this other company. I knew what I was. I was known by other people, and now I'm coming here and I don't know you guys. So how are you going to help me align that? Right. There's
1: some career risk,
0: reputational risk. Right. I could be the last one in first. How do I get productive? And you know, how much of this am I going to have to jump in and? Figure out for myself, and is that easy? Or how much am I going to have a buddy? Or is my manager going to do it? And then how do I do the, the old social cue stuff of like going out to lunch the first day? I, I don't know how it is in everybody's company. It varies, I'm sure, but you know, I don't, nobody's setting up my desk here at home. Oh, I don't know. Maybe that's an idea. Maybe that's a new cottage industry.
1: <laughs> yeah, there, there's some companies actually working in it uh, in this space.
0: Hey, well, go set up your, your new hires home office area for you and, and you know, put the, the swag there on the desk and everything and make it just as if they were in the office. I don't know. But that's going to be super productive, not just only the first day, but how they ramp up and get introduced. Um, I think there's going to be some opportunities for teams to grow. And then I'll say, even with the candidate experience with that, you know, I'm continuing to get stretched with my own current team now, and I've been with them for now, I guess, two years. Being that we're all now having to do remote stuff, it is amazing how much I need to take extra cycles to make sure that I'm being clear, that I am picking up on the, the tone that sometimes I can't see on the other side of the phone. Uh, and then I'm checking in with people, even though I can't do that physically now, because we're not all in the same office, about how they're doing and you know caring for them as, as, as a person, you know uh, even when I'm not you know, next door, around the corner from them. I think that will be kind of a real interesting test of of leadership for some folks. I know at our current company, we actually have a separate culture team that is intentionally thinking about those things and equipping us as people leaders in our teams to engage folks in some thoughtful and fun ways as well, whether it's having uh, virtual games and virtual contests and stuff like that that's going to kind of you know how do you how do you translate a company's culture that is in part because people are interacting together uh, physically in proximity to one that's much more re- remote um, no matter what degree we continue to be remote or that we may fall back into being in the office somewhat
1: as we used to yeah that's a great points well william it's been awesome having you on the podcast what's the best way for people to reach out to you if they want to connect or, or learn learn more about yourself
0: yeah just hey it was fun I always love to carry on the conversation with recruiting with recruiters uh I can easily be found uh on LinkedIn. pretty 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 active there awesome I would say if someone to email me that would be uh certainly one way of doing it happy to, to network and then also um I'm uh pretty involved with um Twitter I've got a Twitter account so at William U, kept it simple right uh, that's a, that's a good way to hit me up. And then, uh, I'm also involved in a couple of recruiting organizations too. Certainly one that's, uh, local in Arizona. It's called the, uh, Phoenix power Acquisition Team. Uh, and that's uh, a LinkedIn group. This week's episode has now come to an end, but our content doesn't end here. Head over to jessietinsley.com where you can find more valuable resources to hire and keep the ultimate workforce. That's jessietinsley.com.